to the Barcoding Podcast. This is our second podcast. Uh, in all the podcast series, we like to share our experiences as uh, software developers. Uh, and we like to share our knowledges and also do it in a fun way like we do at, at the bar together when we're talking about it. Uh, this is our second podcast and we like to share uh, our experiences at conferences. to uh, start with our um, yeah what we always do with our um, fun fact of this podcast so Pauline which which is your fun fact well maybe it's a odd one but uh, this week at work we uh, started uh, finally implementing integration tests uh, over a code base that um, already exists for two years so I first thought oh this will be a hell of a job you know Working out all those integration tests, uh, rethink all the user flows that were implemented a year ago or maybe even uh, longer ago. But I actually uh, experienced it as something really fun to do because um, we discovered that we could bring the code base to a higher level and the energy in the team was really high because we were not only finding bugs but we as we developed the yeah. integration test we of course found some bugs but um, we actually find ways to identify them to fix them and that yeah we were finally having this positive energy in the team that um, we could get some grip in onto the code base um, before having those integration tests we were just randomly finding bugs and that's that's so frustrating because you don't know where they come from now we can finally uh, do some some really good work. Um, so uh, yeah, that was a really really nice uh, discovering. Wow. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. What what did tr- trigger you to do integration tests actually? Well, uh, I'm b- uh, new on the project, and the project is not running on um, environment yet. So we still run it locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was good for now for the development uh, until now. And um, there's always reasons why it doesn't have an environment to run on, so that was fine as well. Um, but And the excuse of not having integration tests this far was uh, because of not having that environment. Mm. We always said we don't have an environment, so we don't start uh, on it, which was um, actually a very bad excuse because uh, we can, of course, run integration tests locally against our local environment, and yeah. just do that regularly every morning or at each peer review or you can just define the moment where we run those tests although it's not in Jenkins or in GitLab CI uh, but we should at least do it and when we had that realization we started actually writing those tests so you guys you don't need a integration environment <laughs> to have your integration test you can just run that uh, against your Kubernetes cluster that you're running locally that's all fine Nice. And yeah. also nice to see that it's already fun to do, actually. If yeah. It's like maybe also a little bit of excuse, it's not fun to do, but in the end it's like a cool thing to do with your team, right? Yeah, yeah. I really thought it was just uh, another short that we should do, but actually uh, it's fun Yeah, to do some useful stuff and to yeah to get your hands dirty to, to, to make it well. So, uh, yeah, nice really enjoyed it. Yeah, and what about uh, your uh, fun fact? Yeah, for me, actually, it's, uh, I think, 
almost now it's half a year ago. Um, I thought it creating an idea about using Kubernetes at our uh, company. Uh, and we started off with, uh, yeah, you already know, but we, um, uh, for a, a plant we have at our office, we uh, use the Kubernetes to, to make a kind of a, a proof of concept that it's workable and nice to uh, use in the company. But it's, yeah, at that point it wasn't really received really good, but um, uh, after hard work, we managed to uh, now convince the company uh, to use it and also Hopefully this week we are going to uh, go live with it. So it's really nice to have like start with a small thing and then working to the yeah. big thing in life. Yeah. And it's also a team effort and now the whole the company is trying to use it. So it's really cool to see that change. Yeah, that's a, that's a really nice change, especially when you can get the company along with it. Because yeah. uh, then uh, you have the confirmation about your, uh, your good work. So that's... Yeah. Uh, that's really great. Yeah, I'm really, really proud. Yeah, yeah, you can be. <laughs> you should be actually. It's a big achievement to, to do such a change. Where the what were the the biggest obstacles during that road? Ooh, uh, good question actually. Uh, yeah, first it was also knowledge, of course, about mm-hmm. it. Uh, trying it's it's an all, all different concept. You have to um, yeah see other things because you now have to. Uh, first, we deployed uh, the whole application on one uh, instance, so mm. we just know it's running up there and every everything is there. But when we switch to Kubernetes, you have the, all the uh, yeah all the, the flexibility because you can use different containers. Yeah. So those concepts of yeah spinning those up and uh, communicating between those uh, those services, and you had to gain a lot of lot of knowledge to deploy mm. it. Yeah. But in the end. Uh, we're more flexible now because we can uh, deploy every environment we want yeah. instead of uh, what we had. We had three fixed uh, um, environments, the test, the staging, and the production, mm. and now we can do everything. But yeah. we had to do a lot of uh, work to make it flexible. Yeah, I can so imagine. But that I think have, uh, having gained that flexibility will actually having yeah make your work more fun, right? Because yeah. Yeah, and also future proof, I think, yeah. because we're now flexible. Yeah. We, if, for instance, we get another team working on the mm. same application or microservices, we can then uh, easily spin up another test environment or yeah. call it if, if you like, but we can spin up another yeah. uh, application, which is nice. Yeah, really nice. And uh, you did that as, uh, with a team of developers, or did you have some support from your ops engineers as well? Um, we started actually a little bit with development. And then um, after, I, I think very fast, we 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 um, we thought oh, we can't do this on our own. We <laughs> we need uh, operations with it, and also because it needs um, the responsibility of the application will also change because uh, we are now responsible for the Docker containers and uh, spinning those instances, and not um, we were before this we weren't we didn't have any responsibility. So we had to involve them a lot to get a good uh, grip on also on the infrastructure side. So uh, in the end, we were working together side by side, which is really nice. And I think this this is also one of the things why it was successful because operations was also yeah. interested, uh, involved and mm-hmm. really collaborating actually, instead of like throwing it over the fence to <laughs> you here 
Odds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead and run it. So real uh, team effort actually to get a web yeah. up. Wow, that sounds uh, how it should go. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, you should definitely be uh, proud. So today we're going to talk about conferences. Uh, why today? Because uh, a lot of conferences this year have already been held. Um, Tevox Belgium just uh, ended uh, last Friday, um, so uh, that means that the conference season is coming to its end. Some conferences are still being organized, but uh, yeah, uh, at least for the two of us, we're not going to any conferences uh, this this year. So um, we can uh, try to uh, yeah, give yeah, a recap, give some feedback, uh, yeah, look back on what we've learned from all the conferences. No. So, why are we actually going to conferences? Why are you going to conferences? Yeah, for me it's uh, one-sided. Okay, small part is networking. Sometimes I yeah. just like to meet people, and uh, for instance at uh, JFall, um, I saw a lot of old colleagues, and which which I like more than actually conference maybe. Yeah. Uh, but most most of the part it's for me it's gaining knowledge. Mm. Um, one part for the things I already do, but I like also like to look out of the box and out of the comfort zone just to, in, in a short couple of minutes, you can um, uh, grab something new and maybe get inspiration like, oh, we should use this instead yeah. of, yeah, I heard something about it. And now you can like get up to speed a little bit, just yeah. enough to make a decision. Oh, it's interesting enough for me or yeah. I will just put it on the side. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and for you? Yeah, for me, I think, yeah, it depends on the conferences. Um, I think DevOx and JFall here in the Netherlands, um, I will first of all go there to see former colleagues, current colleagues, catch up with everyone. Uh, it really feels like um, some kind of a high school reunion uh, kind yeah. of thing. I, I really enjoy that. Um, and I also get inspired by all those people, actually. So uh, that, that's my reason, number one, to go to these conferences. Uh, but other conferences, but also the uh, DevOx and JFall, is, as you said, just get inspired by new things in a short amount of time. It's also actually a very lazy way to get your inspiration because you can just follow the program yeah. and you get all your information for free. Well, on other days, I need to go on Twitter, I need to look up some blogs uh, to see what people are talking about at the conference. You can just be there and just, yeah, absorb all the inspiration. Yeah, I really like that. When I come back from a conference, I'm always juggling between being so, so tired and being having so much energy of all the inspiration yeah. I got <laughs> nice. that I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's what I, why I really enjoy conferences and why I go to them, because uh, I think... Once a software engineer should go to one or two conferences a year, at least. Yeah. yeah. One-day yeah. conferences or multi-day conferences doesn't matter. Just go. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally agree on the last point. Yeah. Of, yeah, I think every software developer should do it. Yeah. Just like you said, it's lazy, and developers were lazy, so <laughs> yeah. it's the best thing to get some no some more knowledge. And um, actually, um, how do you choose conferences? Is the, the, I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. That's really nice because how, how do you choose a good conference? 
Uh, that's a good question. Let me just think about that. Like I said, JFO and, and DevOps, I will just go with closing my eyes because there are much more reasons than the inspiration to go there. But um, yeah, sometimes people talk about conferences. That's why I know of them. Mm-hmm. And when people are uh, enthusiastic about it, I will just follow their advice and go to it. Um, it's a bit of a shame that most of the conferences uh don't have to publish their program before sell, uh, selling their tickets. So yeah. you have to trust on other people's um, choices and advices. Um, sometimes when it's just when I'm interested in only one language or one technique, I will just go f- to the conferences, conference about that technical language. For example, the Kotlin Conf, I've been there uh, two years ago uh, because I was really interested about Kotlin. Yeah, I think... Conferences just come on my path because I'm always looking to them. So, yeah, what about you? Yeah, that was also a thing. A little bit more time to think about it. But mm. also, I, th- I think um, just asking around other developers for mm. the, the, the bigger name conferences. Yeah. I, I, I think that is more the way I choose. I know maybe it's not the correct way to choose, but most of the time I will see. Um, choosing the big conferences because like you said sometimes it's difficult that the schedule is only published after buying your ticket so yeah. you have to trust in something yeah in front. and also yeah like you said it's also um maybe the, the like the general idea they they have behind the conference you have to choose like the kotlin conf yeah. about kotlin yeah. um I think it's not Jenkins Comfort. You have one also for Jenkins, and yeah. you have a lot of uh, conferences that have like big uh, subject, yeah. and that's also then it's easy. I want to know about something about that subject, yeah. but I personally prefer to go uh, to conferences which are a little bit broader, mm. just to broaden my vision on yeah. other things instead yeah. of like focusing mainly on one thing. I probably already know how to you <laughs> how to use it. Yeah. I hopefully know how to use it, but <laughs> it's like I'm more searching for broader information instead of like really specific. Yeah, yeah. That's my personal preference and, and how I, I choose conferences. Yeah, I really agree with you on that. I also really like general conferences uh, more. But sometimes it's so easy to stay in your comfort zone and go to that one topic that you really, really like and just remain in that bubble (laughs) it has its charm as well but uh, definitely general conferences are most of the time better Um, if they have some some talks that are on a more advanced level if there are general conferences staying on the beginner level I'm a bit bored after a while Uh, so so they should have some some talks going into depth but I think uh, more and more conferences are aware of this and are really looking to to those kinds of talks. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Nice. Okay, so we're convinced that conferences are amazing and yeah. that we should all go there. Really? Yeah. We should go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, so we went to some conferences this, this year. Um, so we decided to... Uh, look at some talks that 
yeah, stay with us and try to share that with the people that are listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we both selected three talks that uh, stayed with us and that we that we actually want to share and hopefully hopefully encourage other people to watch them. <laughs> yeah, really. So what what were your three talks? Actually? Okay, uh, the three talks I I, I just do it in random order. That yeah. I don't have like a top three. One is more important than the other one. Um, the first one I selected is the, the High Scores, uh, A Brief History of Computer Music by Andres Noras. Mm. Uh, I saw it at Javazone. Yeah. Uh, I saw it live, actually. It, yeah. I think this, this one you should see live if, yeah. if it's possible. <laughs> it's a great really. performance. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a great performance of him. Um, but it, it's for, for me, it's like a fun subject, but also learn. Yeah, I, I don't know, actually, because as a programmer, I didn't learn anything. Mm. Maybe other than um, uh, the history of computer mu- uh, uh, computer music, mm. but it like it still inspired me about the cool stuff people do with computers and and what people think about making being crea- really creative actually. Yeah. yeah. And instead of like it's sometimes it feels like we're really technical, but there's also a lot of creativity involved with developing yeah. and actually making stuff. So. That inspired me actually a little bit about yeah the creativity of developing and yeah. and also just fun to watch and and be entertained actually yeah, but for sure great talk so, yeah yeah that was a great I think a great talk and you you should probably see him live that's actually the best but also uh, online YouTube actually I think all those the things I will be talking about are available on YouTube mm-hmm. so if you want to. Uh, listen to them uh, yeah, just go and f- find them and uh, yeah we will uh, put those uh, conferences into the description of the podcast so you, uh, you can just uh, copy paste them probably into google yeah yep. i will continue with my next one uh, yeah my uh, next one is actually a style conf- uh, transfer uh, how neural network generate art uh, it's by martin forge and thomas andres uh, excuse me if the names are wrong. It's uh, it's more difficult for for me as a as a Dutch. Um, it's um, a talk about uh, how they use neural networks to um, yeah generate art in uh, a, with uh, like uh, live on stage with their uh, they have a VR set which they put on their heads and then they can turn the whole world into art. Wow! And that's it's like really incredible. Yeah. Um, I think it started out f- for them as like a hobby project at mm-hmm. um, at their work. Uh, they got a lot of money because it's really expensive to make it, but yeah. it, that was really <laughs> nice. And um, they put it all together and learned a lot of uh, things about neural networks. Uh, and um, they uh, put that um, knowledge they got into the presentation. So uh, I... I Sometimes it's difficult when you see um, a neural network or AI machine learning talk to follow them because yeah. they have a lot of uh, pre-knowledge they don't know that yeah. they have and, they, and they, then they forget maybe to tell, mm. tell other people about it. And then it's sometimes really hard to follow. And this one really, for me, started um, explaining everything and everything got like a place in my head where it's important and how it's working and then in the end see a nice result of the VR headset which which is turning the whole world into an art piece. So they um, 
put into the VR set uh, one image from an, um, an art piece and then they turned the whole world into the same uh, style of art piece. So wow. it's really nice. It's like if they, they the, the example they uh, put in a Van Gogh, mm. and then the whole world turned into the Van Gogh, <laughs> and it's like wow. whoa, it's really incredible. That's um, incredible, yeah, for sure. Yeah, mind blowing. Really nice. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And then the the last one for me is personally uh, one of the talks that um, was more into my comfort zone, something I know. Uh, it was the, the best practice of uh, spring in Kubernetes uh, Easy and Faster of Reitsang, which is uh, held at this DevOps. Yeah. Um, I really liked it, b- yeah, because li- like I told, we are uh, as a team going to Kubernetes uh, yeah. in production. And like he, he was telling a lot of decisions we, d- we already made. And it was a confirmation at some points, but mm. also uh, pointed out some... Yeah, things we could have done better or we need to do better. Yeah. So it was really nice to yeah, see a build up of his knowledge and like yeah, like he said in his um, talk, the best practices he mm. learned about yeah m- my specific domain. And yeah. Like um, somebody putting a mirror in front of you, like you're doing the good things, you have to look at this and give some inspiration really directly. Yeah. I, I think the next day I already uh, put in some... Uh, some of his ideas, uh, I discussed it with the team and yeah. also implemented some of the stuff, wow. which is really cool. Oh, definitely, we'll have a look at this talk as well. Yeah, great. It's, it's really, really good if, if you're looking into uh, spring in Kubernetes. It's yeah. like start off uh, um, watching that um, that talk, and it will give you a lot of things uh, as a team uh, where they um, made decisions on. Yeah. So, and then I think it can be a good inspiration and starting point for you. Wow, good ones. Really good ones. Nice. Yeah, and for you, Pauline, which are your uh, uh, favorite talks? Yeah, actually, the first one I wrote down was also a talk of Ray Tseng. He apparently really inspired us, mm-hmm. but um, nice. he, he has done a talk with uh, Robert uh, Scholte about surviving dependency hell. So uh, Ray Tseng is a Kubernetes man, right? So he's always yeah. talking about that topic, but he uh, decided to do this talk about Maven and dependency uh, administration with uh, Robert Holton. Uh, so that at first triggered me, why is he doing that? Um, but uh, when I watch it, and I still have to watch it, I think once or twice over again, uh, because um, I, I really understood it. It's a... It's just a talk about Maven and dependencies, which is the basic thing we do every day, right? Yeah. Handling, making sure that we have the right dependencies to build the whole world, because yeah. that's what we're doing. We, it. <laughs> we have to, and uh, they just try to explain to you uh, what transistive dependencies, for instance, are, and how you can manage them, and how to be aware of what you're bringing with you when you bring one dependency into your project. And also, it sounds like basic skills. I think a lot of us, and even me, mm-hmm. uh, don't know how to properly do this work. And they, they really put some effort into it to explain it to everyone. And um, yeah, that those two guys try to do that, that's really awesome. Okay. So uh, it's really easy also to uh, watch that back, um, especially because they gave the talk at the virtual uh, Java user group. Um, which are uh, live recorded sessions 
but you can also uh, yeah look them up at her uh, website so great that's really great um, the other one is also high scores a brief uh, history of computer music mm-hmm. I uh, really like that um, last year Anders Noras at Java Zone gave his first talk which was about uh, the history of art in the computer science which was really amazing as well and now he did the same trick but then with music and with a really big performance uh, yeah, act which it was uh, because he's dancing yeah. on stage giving you all this energy it was really a great second edition because the first edition was the history uh, talk the history talk is also really nice to see because mm-hmm. uh, when talking about creativity there it was, there was all the creativity and it was finally a talk that I could show to my friends mm. My nice. friends and family yeah. think I'm a really obscure <laughs> uber computer nerd doing weird stuff with, with code that nobody will understand. Finally, those talks are talks that I can show to to other people because he's explaining it so perfectly well. And uh, it really, he gi- really gives you the feeling that computers can do everything, which is a frightening feeling, but also a very beautiful feeling. So, no, yeah, definitely he's in my top three as well. Really great speaker. And the third one would be actually the talk about Galvm from Nathan Perdijk, um, where he explains how at the Dutch National Police, how they integrated uh, running R code and Scala code together uh, on the same machine uh, using Galvm. Yeah, I I think that... hope it will work out for them. I think it will work out for them for sure. Um, yeah, Combining those two languages into one application, it's beautiful. You don't have that awkward mm. part in your application where you're using a language which is not suited for that domain. You can just combine each language with yeah. the, the needed domain. And I think that's, that's great. And I really appreciate it that they are uh, sharing their knowledge so fast about grid. Graal VM because Graal VM is a very new kid on uh, yeah new kid on the block and all the technologies and uh, normally it takes a few years before you get those practical examples um, and and they went really fast with that so really I think that team did a great job on that as well I was really impressed so those were my my yeah. three talks okay, yeah nice I I think I will I will. Look at, at the other two you discussed. <laughs> the, other one, the first one of the high scores I already, already saw, but um, I, I think definitely we're going to check those. Okay, cool. And they're yeah. interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I think my YouTube watch list will also grow more and more. I still need to, yeah. to dive into DevOx Belgium. Yeah, me to too. <laughs> find to time somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, I think there were a lot of more great talk to, to, to name out here at the, the conference season. Yeah. It's amazing. That's and what I really liked as well this season actually is that the the, the amount of speakers is, is growing more and more. There are more and more people speaking. That not true. just a few names on stage, more and more people stand up and want to share their, their, their knowledge. And yeah, yeah that, that's so great. That really it's a big compliment for the community uh, that we're working in is that everyone wants to share their knowledge and uh, apparently feels comfortable to do it. So yeah. that's, that's yeah. really great. Yeah, so true. Something you see, and also I think has to do with all the, um, the governors also um, giving opportunities. I think more. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
And, and that's also nice that there are people mm. taking those opportunities and doing good. So yeah. that's really, that's true. Yeah. So nice to see. If you're listening and you're doubting about submitting a, a paper as a call for paper, just do it. Just do it. Get out of your comfort zone and go out there. Definitely. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, maybe it's also now we talked about like our top talks, and yeah. and maybe it's also interesting to. Uh, like um, point out the red lines we saw in yeah. each conference, yeah. which are like the big main topics for the coming say year or more, but yeah. like the, the big topics that we see growing in uh, interest on conferences and mm-hmm. maybe interesting for us to use as, as developers. Yeah. So what what is one, can you start off with one red line you see? Well, I think... Uh, the alternative JVM languages are still uh, hot and happening apparently mm-hmm. um, some of them are not really um, uh, yeah I, I, how to say it not only a trend or a hype uh, Kotlin is coming back at each conference yeah. uh, Rust somehow is always is popping up Somewhere. for two, yeah. two three years now so apparently um, they are hanging on there and uh, talks are still uh, appreciated on uh, on those languages which i think is really good although java released a few versions last year mm-hmm. those alternative gvm languages are still uh, kicking the butt of java yeah. so i think uh, that's really really interesting i'm really curious to see what's what the evolution of those languages will be yeah yeah, that, yeah that's so true i think there are a lot of uh, like yeah gvm alternative languages mm. and um what what do you see them uh, doing? Are they challenging Java or are they like used for something different? Or how do you think on that that subject? Uh, I, well, I think there are two things. I think running Java in the cloud is mm-hmm. a challenge. Um, so yeah, I think alternative language can can help with that, definitely. Uh, but the other thing is that some language features apparently that the community want to have are not in Java or, or are only experimental. Um, and that's, yeah, kicking the butt of Java, actually. So um, those alternative languages are uh, using language features that apparently everyone wants to have. So I think it's really good for Java as well that those languages are there. Yeah. That's yeah. true. It's also, I, I think, something I see is like they are challenging Java to yeah. to also change. I, I think yeah. one of the main reasons why they went into uh, another release cycle, which has more releases, is because of the other languages. Yes, if exactly. If there wasn't another thing competing against them, yeah. then they would have been nothing. And it's yeah. also nice to see uh, the other languages evolving and coming into conferences of Java just yeah. to inspire programmers. Yeah. Like, there's something else than Java. Don't yeah. be a Java only developer. Look at yeah. something else. Yeah, that's true. Totally true. And yeah. also, I, I'm just thinking maybe it would be a nice subject for another podcast to do <laughs> do about like, yeah, like Java alternative languages. Yeah, for sure. Maybe, yeah, let's write it down and let's do that uh, anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that one uh, another topic which came along a bit uh, during all those conferences was type inference. So only mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that True. specific discussion on how to use type inference in Java, what are the style uh, guides, uh, how to use it. Um, 
there were more than one talks about this. Yeah. Apparently, this discussion is held in each and every team that is upgrading to Java 11. Um, and I, I was thinking about it. How can just one language feature, I mean, mm-hmm. using Val in Java 11, bringing up so much food of discussion? And I think it's very healthy because as a community, we are discussing how we should use that feature. And why not doing with yeah. doing it with each feature? I mean, yeah, there are a lot of features that are very powerful here and, and that we should all... Uh, agree on how to use them so uh, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. actually funny i never thought about that <laughs> in that way but it's yeah, it's so true it's, it's why not discuss thing. Yeah. And, and maybe if i i put it a bit broader and i also see that they are like project loom they are all yeah. introducing themselves more and more and discussing um, and sharing their knowledge and, yeah. and thoughts about how to use it, but also yeah. getting some responses and feedback. Yeah, exactly. So and yeah, I so think uh, the community is doing uh, its job there. It's yeah. really great to see. Uh, and what are your red lines or observations of the conference season? Um, yeah, the, the, for for me, it's um, maybe I'm also a bit uh, in, into my own focus point, but <laughs> yeah. I, I see Kubernetes a lot being mm. used actually, and mm. in in like. The previous year it was like more yeah it's something cool uh, <laughs> like the cool kids are using it and yeah. oh, I see us using this cool yeah. stuff stuff but now you uh, slowly see um, like the more practical talks about Kubernetes and um, and also uh, like CICD how should you um, yeah integrate that into your cluster how how should you maybe change processes because you can do other things yeah. like they're more practical talks about uh, Kubernetes right now. So yeah. it, I think it's because it's evolving and getting more mature, Yeah, you can see more practical use cases of Kubernetes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah that's that's, I, I think one of the red lines uh, and also uh, a second one I, I see, it's like the machine learning, it's, uh, it's been here way back, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's still working somewhere in... Yeah. Like the big conferences, there's always a track of machine learning, AI. Yeah. And yeah, you, you see uh, still small use cases, I think. Mm-hmm. Not the real big, yeah. everyone, is, everyone is using it. I, yeah. I think they are now concluding that it's more like really specific thing you want to do yeah. for a specific use case, which yeah. is really good, I, I think. Yeah, Use good. it where you need it. Yeah. Uh, and that's also something they still want to try and, and mm. learn and share their knowledge about machine learning. Yeah, true. But not sure actually if, it, if, it's, if it's still growing or a little bit like getting a bit more mainstream, I think. I think it's becoming much more mainstream. Yeah, it's not the, the new hype. It's uh, it's not a hype anymore, actually. It's, it's there. Machine learning yeah. is here and um, we will deal with it one way or the other. But of course, yeah, I think everyone calmed down from the whole excitement. Yeah. <laughs> now we're only using it when we should actually use it. And yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, so just may- maybe machine learning has found his, uh, like, continuous uh, attention at yeah. conferences <laughs> and And actually, also one I saw, I, I was scrolling the, actually down the DevOps uh, yeah. schedule. Yeah. And I saw a lot of testing and I was like... Yeah. Fantastic. I, I never really saw that last year. Uh, it feels like it's getting more attention. And then I, I looked at Java Zone schedules and other schedules. I, I see uh, 
the testing part is getting more attention. Yeah. Actually, it used to be uh, testing only for testers. Yeah. But I, I feel it's getting more traction now. Also, developers need to uh, yeah, make good tests and, mm. and how to set up the test pyramids and, and like helping other developers making better tests and better quality actually yeah, of, yeah. of code with testing. Yeah. And that's also yeah, something I, I was thinking. I, I think that is also a new red line now. Testing again maybe. Again, yeah. Yeah, I also wrote it down like testing is still a thing. Apparently we still have troubles about doing that correctly. That's how I see it. And uh teams are still struggling. Uh how to put on put a good strategy there and maintain the good strategy because it's really easy to to start with a good base and then completely forget about it so um yeah definitely that i think it's really representative of what people are doing and what they're struggling with so uh, yeah uh, nice to actually that you had the same yeah, thought yeah. About it. <laughs> i think a lot of people will recognize this point and um yeah, I think testing will still be a point for the next upcoming two to three years on conferences, definitely. Yep. That's nice. Do you also have another Yeah, line? I think uh, Quarkus and Micronaut are coming up as topics. Uh, I think um, both of them next year will be definitely there on topics. So that was my uh, coming up topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah I also had it, had it on like the... The native images it yeah. started already, but maybe also with the Kubernetes getting traction. Yeah. Now uh, the focus gets uh, more on high-speed startups, uh, exactly. really yeah. fast scaling, which yeah. which needs uh, high speed up. And yeah. also, yeah, that's, that's true. I, I think that's another big topic for the next yeah. year. Yeah, and it will be uh, a big topic for Java as well. If Java wants to survive this whole virtualization uh, uh, innovation going on I think they, they they will really depend on those native images for sure so yeah and also one of the things I really interested in how spring will react to yeah. uh, to those changes and did you already see something of spring um, using it or no not yet I haven't really dived into it actually I should so there it is another to-do point yeah. <laughs> on my list uh, no I haven't but um, definitely dive into it and maybe we can talk about this on yeah. a podcast as well yeah. <laughs> next time that's true yeah would be very interesting i think yeah if, for sure. if spring is managing to have fast startup times maybe native images or something else yeah i think that's really important topic yeah. for them yeah in yeah the future so um yeah like we're talking about um being at conferences as yeah. like um, spectators yeah. and uh, I, I was thinking about it actually preparing for this podcast and then I was talking there's another side of, of this conferences which are speakers yeah. and you Pauline as, as a speaker has had, had a little bit, um, little bit of more experiences from the other side <laughs> from, the, <laughs> from the dark side dark, dark no it's not dark <laughs> um, uh. So, so um, can you sh- share a little bit, and then I will ask some questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course I can share. Yeah, um, yeah. So I've been speaking for a year now at conferences. It's been a roller coaster because uh, 
I, uh, yeah, I responded to some call for papers and suddenly I got almost accepted everywhere and um, I had a pretty busy nice. uh, <laughs> conference schedule. So, um, yeah, watching a conference from the other side is, is totally a different yeah, somehow it's a different um, experience and feeling because um, yeah, you're stressed until you've done your talk. You're not walking yeah. around relaxed or networking or talking. Or I, At the first talks, I didn't even want to be inspired because <laughs> I was putting so much energy in giving my own talk and so nervous about it. Um, but the last talks were more fun there I really started enjoying being on stage and uh, appreciating the conversation that were started after having given my talk um, and, and those are the things why you're talking on stage because also you really I really like conversation as we have right now about the job and about the topics uh, that I really care about and uh, when you're speaking people come to you actually to start a conversation and that's that's great. You give you get a lot of input from all the other people around you. Uh, so that's the really positive part of speaking. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Oh, cool. And and what actually you said you were triggered into uh, posting uh, the call of paper. Yeah. Your papers to them. To yeah. them. And and what what was your main reason to start doing it? Um. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I just want. I've been to a lot of conferences as an attendee and. I really was curious how it would be to be on stage, to be at the other uh, side. So I did it uh, a few times uh, at work, in front of colleagues, and actually, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. But I actually thought I wasn't really good at it. So there's only way, one way to to become good at this is by doing it and to practice it. That's true. Uh, it's a very difficult way to learn it, <laughs> to learn this thing on, on the job because you need to step out of your comfort zone each time. But I really want to become a good speaker, so uh, I still have some work to do, a lot of work mm-hmm. actually. So uh, I still will answer to call for papers to to get myself out there and uh, and learn about it. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. So so it's more like you wanted to uh, share your knowledge yeah. and. Um, yeah, that, that that you wanted to check. Yeah, not not check the other side. That's not correct. Um, it's more like um, you wanted to do the same thing after the yep. discussion about it. Um, yeah, and and um, what are your your main topics you want to talk about? Like, what do you like the most? Yeah, well, my talks have been about Kotlin so far. Um, so I think the whole outside world uh, thinks that I'm only capable about coding Kotlin. Actually, I'm coding a lot of Java lately. So that's not completely yeah. correct. Um, yeah, I'm still doubting about the next talks uh, I want to give. But um, yeah, I've been working a lot of uh, with Kubernetes as well. Uh, so maybe there will be something about that uh, topic uh, about Kubernetes. Uh, I really like to think about programming languages other than Kotlin, uh, observing the common denominators about the languages and uh, why they vary so much sometimes. Maybe that will be a talk. Um, uh, Yeah, there are some topics that I want people to know uh, more about. Uh, Still doubting about the new new ones, still doubting, Yeah. yeah. It's always difficult to find a good subject, of course. Yeah. And also, you're more focusing on the technical side, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's more your your cup of tea. Yeah. 
yeah, uh, yeah. I won't do any talk about agile or something like that. I'm terrible at those yeah. concepts. Uh, just give me some technical uh, challenge, and I will be happy. Yeah, that, that's nice. Yeah, and and also, uh, yeah, like um, at the conference, do you also have a lot of contact with other speakers, or how does that work? Uh, yeah. So you have at most conferences there is a speakers dinner. Uh, it's all. It's most of the time the evening before the conference starts. Uh, so then, yeah, of course you're a bit forced to have contact with other speakers. Silent dinner is not that fun. No. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so that's that's a good moment. Um, most of the time in the conferences you have a speakers room where speakers can, uh, uh, yeah isolate themselves from all the crowd and prepare their presentation or do whatever they need to do. So that's also um, yeah privileged room to be in because then you're sitting to some great names and uh, you can have a chat with them, of course, uh, if they're available. Uh, yeah, and then if there are drinks afterwards, of course, speakers somehow gather and, and, and talk with each other. Yeah. So it's a small world as well, so you... Uh, recognize people from other conferences and that makes it also nice yeah yeah okay cool and uh, now there's someone thinking I want also want to yeah. be a speaker and and um, yeah yeah how and how how do you um, start speaking do you Ooh, think this is also something we should actually do a podcast about it because there are like 10,000 answers on that 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 question but Like, uh, one thing for sure, uh, if you want to start speaking, uh, look around you, uh, because there are some mentoring programs, um, I think, uh, a bit everywhere. At the NL Jug here in the Netherlands, there is a mentoring speaking program. When J4 is coming up, uh, that program will also be started. Uh, Those are very valuable. I participated uh, last year with, uh, with with that one. Um, if you're trying to submit a, a paper, um, let it review by a lot of people before submitting it. Um, I've been on the program committee as well from JFall and I saw there um, really, you know, a typos into your uh, paper is not a good one. Uh, it's, it's making it very sloppy, but also languages, language mistakes should be corrected. Um, and uh, just there, yeah, because... I thought my talk about Kotlin was not that special and then suddenly everyone wanted to hear about it and I was like, okay, okay, let's yeah. just do it. And I I think if you're convinced you should talk about it, just submit your paper and learn from it. Yeah, yeah that's cool. And also nice, we should also do like the talk about how yeah. to become a speaker. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. That yeah. might be very interesting. Actually. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm also a little bit interested because I, I also know the feeling about being hesitant about subjects, yeah. posting them. And yeah. I, st- I still have the same feeling. I sometimes try it, but it's still difficult. Yeah, and even step. Uh, conferences are easy because you can uh, submit uh, to a call for paper through a website. But if you're going to meetups, uh, you can always ask the organizers if you, you can talk. Because uh, the nice thing about meetups is that the people are visiting them regularly. So the, you, you get to know the people uh, that are coming to the meetup um, as well. So it means that you're speaking to people that you're familiar with. And uh, it's 
most often a small group of people which can feel comfortable. Personally, I like bigger groups more because they're more anonymous, but tastes can differ. So also have a look at meetups for sure if you want to talk somewhere. It's also an option. Okay, so listeners, start <laughs> posting your uh, call for paper. And, uh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, start trying it. Yeah. And dare to do it. And dare to do it, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that that's about my uh, piece of cake to share. Okay. So this will probably conclude our podcast about conferences. Or do you still have questions or... I think we discussed a lot already, so uh, it's almost been an hour now, so... So uh... true. <laughs> then we, we still have a lot of ideas about the next podcast, so I think we, we, we will should close this one. And let's close this one and then continue uh, on the next topic, on the next uh, podcast. Yes, so this was the Barcode Podcast uh, second episode. See you next time.